Hello, everyone, and welcome to Optimize Your Life, where we share stories on overcoming lifestyle challenges. My name is Dr. Darsh, and I have an incredible passion for personal development and optimizing lifestyle and mindset. The purpose of this podcast is to help you strategize ways to optimize your life to increase wealth, health, love, and happiness. Now, let's get started. So, you know, skip the skip the appetizer, let's go straight to the meat. So, I want to know, and I think the followers want to know, who is Numer at his core? What is your identity? What is my identity? That's a really good question. So uh, I kind of use the framework that I've created with my company, Mixotype. Uh, We focus on identity and uh, exploration of the self. At the very core, I would say I'm a mixture of a few different things. We can call me a philosopher, scientist, existentialist. I'm really – my – innate ability is writing. So I've always been good at writing. But what's interesting about identity is that, so your identity is an amalgam of different things. So you have the people that you're inspired by as you're growing up, you've got these heroes that you look up to. It could be Batman, it could be fictitious, it could be Lance Armstrong, it could be anyone really. It doesn't matter if they're living or they're dead, but there's people throughout your life that you encounter that seem to resonate with your core message. So the people that I've been inspired by, people like Steve Jobs, I, I love Ayn Rand. She's one of my favorite philosophers. There's a lot of controversy by, behind her name, but people who haven't read her material, they, they don't really have any grounds to judge anything about her philosophy because they haven't read it. And uh, I mean, it makes sense why they wouldn't get into that right the second, but Steve Jobs, Ayn Rand, Nikola Tesla, I, I love science and I love um, – just uh, in terms of philosophy, just, those three are really big. And then I would also say probably something like fictional people like Batman, Superman, stuff, stuff like that. But when you look at these heroes and you align them with who you are, you get a good semblance of who you might be. So knowing that I'm inspired by people like Carl Jung, Steve Jobs, uh, Ayn Rand, Nikola Tesla, like those are the big four for me. I, I just, I'm inspired by them. And I kind of say that they, they're not my identity because I can never be them, but they resonate with like who I am. And I tend to express that through, uh, I guess, my writings and just my approach towards uh, identity itself with other people. So, I mean, it's a, it's a long, drawn-out answer, but at the core, if, who am I? Those are my motifs. But another way to understand who I am is to understand what I focus on, which is just the exploration of identity, meaning, and human potential. Those are really big for me. Right. So, okay. So you you kind of named these, you know, big name mentors, uh, big name superheroes as well. Um, for the audience out there, so let's let's back it up. Let's get big picture here. How did you get into this? Like, did you always know? Okay, the uh, you know, I love Steve Jobs. I love Batman. Or did it kind of become an obsession to study that kind of like mentorship almost? So, how did you kind of go from your childhood to where you are now? What's your what's what's your story? All right, so it's a long story. For the sake of this, uh, I'll make it quick. Oh, hey, hey, Hanum, what's up? I didn't even know she was watching. She's in London right now. Oh, what time? Is it? That's crazy. Five All right, great, yeah. Whatever. I mean, like, cool. Thank you, my cousin. So, all right. Here's the thing, right? I, I mentioned these names, but what's most important? Because like the people watching this video, they don't really care about who my heroes are, but they want to have a better understanding of what is identity. Okay. And that that question just led me down this big rabbit hole. 
how exactly do you measure something that's so unique and so true to you, something that's so personal, but you can't express it? You take a look at any of these people who changed the world. They went through years of just looking within the self. If you read the book by Herman Hesse Siddhartha, he sat under a, a, a tr an oak tree for nine years just trying to discover himself. So what's my story and how did I come to this? For the sake of just being short, because I'm sure you have a lot more questions, I'll say this. I went on my own hero's journey, and I found that me studying psychology at Temple University didn't really answer the questions of what is the self. It's just a metaphysical question. And it came to me that over the course of many years of research and just studying, like six years of me just journaling and just going to different books, going to the library, pulling all-nighters and stuff, I came to this realization that who you are internally consists of four things. It's uh, the heroes that you're inspired by, the intelligences that you perceive the world around you, your natural born talents, and the things that you own. So for instance, like there's a painting behind you, and I'm not sure if, if you put that there intentionally or if it's just whatever, but in your room, there's gonna be things in there that speak to who you are, things that you've collected over many years. If a forensic psychiatrist or an analyst were to go inside the room and look at what your findings are, could they get an aggregate of your identity? And I would say, yeah, because we like to we like to express ourselves, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. I just took those four things over the course of many years and discovered that, all right, this could be a starting point of understanding other people. So I might not know half the people in this chat. Oh, hey, what's up, Wyatt? I might not know half the people in this chat, but through my findings, if I could just go and get an understanding of who Darsh's heroes are, mm -hmm. what the intelligence modality that he perceives the world around is he more mathematical, is he more visual, spatial, is he more linguistic? And then if I can look at your natural born talent, if I can look at the things that you own, and I can get a good understanding of who you are, and that, that's just kind of like how I came about it. It took me many years to come to that realization, but I think some of the greatest insights can be expressed simply, and that's just what it is. Right. Okay, so you're also talking about, you know, going all-nighters at Temple University, kind of just immersing yourself in this. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you were a psychology major at Temple? Or was it Nero? Psychology. Psychology. Okay. So were you always interested in psych, or is this something that you kind of came upon after um, going through a psych major? Amazing. So when I was six years old, I remember walking into a library and I asked the librarian for a book on hypnosis. And like a six-year-old asking about hypnosis, like where's where's the Power Rangers, right? So mm -hmm. like it was so, it was an affinity, man. Um, I, when I was younger, I wanted I was inspired by people like David Copperfield, the magician, or Harry Houdini. But what I found was that what I was most interested in was the mentalism behind what they what they had. And it was just a process of trial and error. When I stepped into Temple University, like, day one, like, I remember, like, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to become a doctor, but what do I really want? How do I want to change the world? And, yeah. you know, like, I, I started off, I think, as like a film major or something, and then I transitioned over to med medical stuff. I mean, sorry, psychology. So it was something that was staring me right in the face all along, but I had to kind of grow into that realization. Absolutely. So... A lot of my followers are obviously pre-med. And one thing I talk to them about is confirmation bias, almost where to the point where you're pre-med, you feel like you have to go to med school because it's so hard, even though something's staring at you right in the face, it might be business, it might be art, it might be film, like you said, 
but taking that pivot and changing can be daunting at times. So what did you do? How did you go through it? Was it tough for you? Was it easy? Kind of take us through that. For me to pivot away from that? Yeah, from like medicine and then into doing this now. It was one of the most difficult decisions of my life. So um, if you guys are ready for like some sort of a story time, I'll give you a small, Go small for it, man. Go for it. So like, I, I really want to set the stage here, right? So if I were to just kind of wrap this up in a nicely, like nice bow, I would say this. If there's nothing, nothing else that you take away from this live talk tonight, I mean, I really want you guys to focus and hear me out here. The one thing that you should understand is that the best way to build your life is to build it within the context of your identity. And if you can figure out your identity and everything else makes sense, you don't have to know all the answers right away. You just have to kind of trust that your identity will help guide you. And so as I was going through this, there was a lot of identity exploration, like Goldilocks, right? And the, mm -hmm. the airs and this bed was too hard this bed was too soft and you gotta imagine i went into temple university not really knowing what i wanted at 18 years old i'm supposed to make the biggest decision in my life my parents want me to become a doctor i'm like well let me soul search and soul searching doesn't work like when your parents are paying for your college tuition so Absolutely. they stopped they stopped paying for my tuition i just had to get student loans like the rest of us and it's okay they were really furious because i didn't pursue medicine so it wasn't easy it wasn't hunky-dory like like no especially because all my life like growing up like my parents like Namir, you're gonna become a doctor you're, you're gonna become a doctor right like, right yeah okay I feel yeah. On that. yeah right and so but the the, the, the challenge was Part of me actually loved the whole idea of medicine. Carl Jung is one of my biggest heroes. If he's not number one, he's probably number one. He was a psychiatrist. So I'm like, all right, I could probably make a really good psychiatrist. I could probably become the best psychiatrist out there. And like, so that led me down this path. And I, it wasn't easy. I went through my prereqs. I did my Chem 1, Chem 2, Bio. I did all that, Physics 1, um, Orgo. I did all of that. And I passed my classes. I even went as far as studying for the NCATs and all that. So I went through that whole thing because, like, I couldn't just visualize myself out of it. When there's a problem right in front of you, you can only solve the problem right in front of you. But at the same time, I was working on Mixotype, which is my whole identity movement. And so I got to this point where I'd take my NCATs and suddenly I had this moment where I was like, all right, I could right now very well get go to med school. Now, I mean, like, I wasn't a shoe-in or anything. I would have had to have gone take some more courses. Probably would have taken MCATs again like most many of us have to. But I could have gone down that route or I could have gone down Mixo. Now, here's the thing. At that point, when you have all the data and from experience, I mean, like, I was studying 13, 14 hours a day. And, you know, when you're studying time to study for the MCATs, that's all you're doing. Yeah, when absolutely. I, when I was done studying for the MCATs, I was thinking about the MCATs in my sleep. So, <laughs> like, I, I just couldn't, like, focus on anything else so through that self-experience i realized all right i i have a moment here where i can take the red pill or the blue pill and i just something in me just said look you, you gotta you gotta go through with this and anyone else outside me was saying well you know like why don't you just wait till after med school wait till you become a doctor and then pursue this thing and i just my, my gut wouldn't let me you right. get through this process of like self-discovery where you start to know yourself so much you, just, you can't live without the path that I spent six years working on the algorithm, I, I had to take the plunge. So that's, that's kind of what, what happened. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I 100% commend you for that, man. Because I mean, I know how tough it is. And that's like the one takeaway that I would ask my followers that are pre-med to take that. If you 
are not satisfied with being pre-med, but you're doing it for, again, just superficial possible reasons, and you think there's something else out there, then again, we're going to go more into this, but unlock your potential and go like head first into that. Go follow your passion and whatever that you, what, whatever your calling is in life, right? Like that's where you're going to suck the marrow out of life. It's doing that. And I think that's what you're um, doing right now. So that kind of leads me to ask you, what exactly is Mixotype? I see you wearing the shirt, but how can you explain it to our followers? Um, what exactly it is that you're building? It's an incredible question. Uh, by the way, what's up, Hazem? I see you. Uh, nice seeing you. Oh, yeah, Hazem's really up, cool. Man? Me and him are a great tight at Temple University. Yeah. Haz is a doctor, yes, so congrats yeah. to him. Um, but, like, no, even Haz was there. Like, a lot of these people were there during my journey, like, like just trying to figure out what – it wasn't easy. It wasn't overnight that I just said, oh, well, I'm just diving the mix. So, no, like, it was – it was a band-aid being ripped off of a wound many, many, many times, death by a thousand cuts. Like, come on, like, it, you you get through this process where it's like you're constantly met with failure over and over again, but there's there's a sign of success, and it's beautiful. It's this, it's this thing that just grows as as you kind of go through the process. So I guess uh, you're – sorry, I'm not – what was your question? What what exactly is mixotype? If you right. explain it to the So followers. thank you, thank you, thank you. Wait. So I had to set that up as a frame. So mixotype, at the core, if I were to just kind of uh, summarize it, it is a movement for identity and self exploration and unlocking human potential and meaning. So what, those are all metaphysical terms. So what exactly is it for people in terms of how can they relate to it? So mixotype is is a movement. There are there's going to be a coaching component to it. We're actually releasing our first coaching program in the next six weeks. It's called Hero Unlocked, mm -hmm. and Hero Unlocked is the idea. And you sat in on that webinar, but Hero Unlocked is just the idea of you build your life within the context of your identity. And how do you do that? Well, we help you to find your purpose. Oh, sorry, find yourself, find yourself, and unlock your potential discovering meaningful connections and become the hero of your own story. So that's a guided approach. But what exactly is Mixotype as an app? So I want to structure this. So what I want to do is I want to run you through a visual exercise here. Okay. And everyone listening in, because I'm watching the feed, I know who's here. I want you all guys just lock in and listen to this like visual exercise. Just run this through your head as well, okay? So I want you to imagine that you are at a coffee shop. Now, this is post My eyes closed here? or <laughs> No, you don't got to get dramatic. I mean, right. just, just listen and just pay attention. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so I want you to imagine that you're at a coffee shop, okay? Yeah. And this is post-pandemic. I mean, this coronavirus shit's going to be over at some point. But you're at a coffee shop. And now imagine that there's 40 people around you, okay? And... What are, what are you doing? You're just grabbing your coffee, you're ordering it, but you're texting, you're tweeting, you're snapping, but you're not communicating. And you don't realize that the person standing next to you could be your next investor, could be your next fitness trainer, it could be your next client, it could be your next uh, girlfriend, it could be your next boss. I mean, there's a million different things. In a coffee shop, there's so many people. There's millionaires in there, there's billionaires, there's people just trying to find themselves. You don't know any of them from lit. So what do you do? You just grab your coffee and then you go. And none of them know, by the way, that you're a doctor unless you have your scrubs on and then you're just kind of fleeking. That's okay. Right. Unless you're like your own bunch of right? <laughs> but, so with Mixotype, the whole idea was that everyone has an identity. So how do you make that identity visible? How do you make it so that other people can also see who you are at the core? 
And so what I've developed with my team after many years is you download this app on your phone called the Mixotype app. It's not ready yet. You're, you can't download it in the Play Store. It's not there. It's all on the back end. But you download the app and you go through this process called the Mixotype engine where you go through the process of identifying your heroes, your intelligences, your talents, and your collections. And from that process, you get an aggregate identity. So my, my teacher here has these four cells. And instead of saying M-I-X-O, it'll have like your four uh, symbols, sure. right. right? And um, so you get that. It takes only a couple minutes. So, like you yourself been through the process privately. And it only took like two minutes, and it was like pretty spot on. And so get that. And then from there, you create a basic profile. Hi, my name is Darsh. I'm a doctor in residence. residence. I'm a training physician in physiatry, and, mm-hmm. I, and I specialize in um, philosophy, whatever. Okay. Now, someone in that coffee shop who also has the Mixotype app will be able to fire it up. They'll be able to have their own identity, their own profile. They'll see everyone on the feed around them that also has the app. And then they'll see Darsh on their feed. And they're going to be like, oh, this guy looks cool. Oh, well, we're an 80% match based on our personality types. Oh, wait a minute. This guy's a physiatrist. I want to become a physiatrist. And, like, whatever. So, like... That is the icebreaker. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's on this app. He's open to communication, open to conversation. Let me go up and say hello. Yeah. That's really it. So Mixotype, the app, is a way to say hello. It's a way to find the people that you don't know but should get to without, know. Without being a creep kind of, too. Because it's without all, being a creep. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> like, the second you grab your coffee and you leave, you're not on their list anymore. There's no follow. There's no like. There's no share. There's, like. I mean, it's very minimal. It's very much in the moment, like a disappearing snap, right? If you see, you see. If you don't, it's gone forever. And so that's the whole idea behind that. But if, how does this relate to the coaching program? Well, I want to mention one thing because there's people in here I want to mention. Yes, um, we're going to have uh, filters in place. So what if, like, Darsh is engaged and he doesn't want some random woman to hit on him, right? So – he can only be on that app for social and professional reasons. So anyone who's looking to date him, and it's not a dating app, but people yeah. are going to do, do that. Yeah, sure. He's going to filters in place and make sure that people don't approach him for dating because we don't want his fiance to get angry. And so <laughs> she's, she's here watching. Uh, she I might be, I think. Mira? Yeah, hey. I, I saw her. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, so, like, hi. So, like, <laughs> now, now here's the thing, though. People aren't the most social, though. People have their hangups. They have their limitations. They have their self-limiting beliefs. What if through that interaction with you, there are sticking points? What if there's things that they still have to discover about themselves? They're not quite ready to go into the sandbox, which is the Mixotype app, which is free, by the way. You'll be able to use it for free. Well, then you sign up for our coaching programs, like the Hero Unlocked coaching program. And then you get a guided way through the whole Mixo model and all the frames that we created in the back end. So it's an entire ecosystem around self-discovery, meaning unlocking your potential. The free app lets you explore the world on your own, very much like Pokemon Go. But then if you need that guided approach, come find us. We have coaches in our team who can help you unlock your potential. So that's that. Gotcha. So what is the, what's your ultimate passion or ultimate goal for this app? Like, what does it satisfy you? Like, are you looking to just make an impact in the world and kind of create this social network? Or are you just hoping to unlock everyone's potential? Like, not what is it, what's in it for you, but where does your desire come to do this? Well, think about this, man. Like, uh, there's a song by Rise Against. It's called People Live Here. I, I really recommend that you listen to that song. It's beautiful. And, uh, like, 
the song starts off like my god is better than yours mm. and it's just talking about like like racism and separatism and d- division right yeah. and um like it's just all these riots are happening in the world like the whole thing with the well, george, george uh, floyd, george floyd yeah. right? like right. all that the thing is, like, we, we see people at the superficial surface level of race and ethnicity. And, yeah, race is important and your ethnicity is important. Your roots and your culture are important. But when we look at people, it's almost binary. It's like ones and zeros, black and white. And not to be metaphorical, I don't mean black and white as in culture, but just, you know, ones and zeros, binary. And one of my things is there's a very humanitarian goal behind this. If you can walk into an environment and I'm wondering if I if I have like a sample mix of type business card in here, and I think I do. I can show mm-hmm. you one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing it here, but if you can walk into an environment and you can just see someone's identity right in front of you, in some ways that person is now human to you. It's not just some figure out in the distance. You can see, oh, here's this person with real hopes, real dreams. They, they, they're philosophical. They love to write. They're into music and they're into acting. Like you see this right dead in there, dead in center. Now imagine if someone comes up to someone from two different races, right? And they see that, wait a minute, despite everything, we're, we're very much alike. And that's beautiful. So I found a way to quantify that. So there's a very big, like humanistic initiative behind this. I wouldn't have spent 13 years on this if, if it didn't like speak to my soul, it wasn't just a way to cash, like flip a house and make money off of it. Though there is a capitalistic aim behind this as well. Like I definitely sure. want to make money. But the, the, the core is to bring people together according to the same playing field of identity, which is important because I want you to take, I want to take, take you down uh, memory lane here. Mm-hmm. So back in the fifties, one of the greatest, uh, rep- uh, I guess the discoveries happened in my, uh, in human history. Up until this point, we didn't really know what it was that made humans human. Okay. Until one woman, Rosalind Franklin, discovered that DNA was the backbone, right? So of, uh, well, I forget what it was, but it was the backbone of the DNA. She right, found the nucleotides and whatnot, yeah. Right. And so then they discovered that DNA was like part of uh, your genes and everything like that. But that was huge. They finally found the core that could bring people together at the genetic level, right? And so my whole thing was, all right, that, that lets you observe people at a biological functional level. Fine. That doesn't solve other problems of like culture and identity, Absolutely, right? Yeah. You take a few steps forward and you look at Joseph Campbell's work and you realize that like the hero of a thousand faces, Joseph Campbell was this uh, mythologist and his whole thing was like, what's up, Sean? Um, uh, Joseph Campbell realized that like his whole passion was, I'm going to tie this back together to the overall question that you have about like mission. But I, it's important for you to know the history behind this. And it's important to know that DNA was a part of the story. It's important to know that memes which are the, not, not GIS, not funny, funny stuff, but memes are, if genes are the unit of genetic inheritance, then memes are the unit of cultural inheritance. And uh, Richard Dawkins talked about this in his book. Um, what was it, The Selfish Gene, the I selfish think? Selfish Gene, yeah. Yeah. yeah and then book. that was actually Susan Blackwell's work, by the way. I think he referenced Susan Blackwell because mm. she was the one who actually talked about memes, right? The idea right. that I want you guys to understand that this isn't just like superficial stuff here. Genes are very important. DNA is important. But if you take a look at any culture, take a look. Why are people from China, why do they act like 
Chinese people do? Why do people from Greek act like Greeks? And it's because culture, like you gotta understand how does culture transmit from one person to another? You have a baby, why does that baby start enacting the Greek culture, right? And so yeah, there's some imitation theory is learning, but there's this idea that culture is also passed from parent to child, but no one can ever figure out how, what exactly that takes place inside the brain. Where is culture? Where is identity? People started to think about like, where exactly these things exist. Then you take a look at uh, Ramachandran's work and he talks on mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. And then that was one step forward. That was like the idea of like, all right, you've got these monkeys. And when they look at these other monkeys, macaque monkeys, by the way, you look at the prefrontal cortex, certain mirror neurons fire. And when they're imitating, when they're learning. So he figured that that could exist within humans as well. It still Absolutely. hasn't been proven yet. Right. But there's been this long quest to figure out where does consciousness and where does identity exist within the brain? And is it is it a local phenomenon or is it like uh, something that's like all over? It's like a network type of thing. No one knows. And that those questions drove me up a wall. And at the end, there was this aggregate that I came up with. Mixotype it was really just a realization in the in the name itself. Your identity is a mixture of all these different things. And I found that if we could just find a way to universalize identity across cultures and across civilization, then it doesn't really matter as much what the DNA or what the human blueprint was behind it. That you could literally, as uh, Dr. Martin King, Dr. Dr. King said, um, you can have people sit at the table of brotherhood. It didn't matter about race at that point because you can see people as a person, right? Right. So when you walk into that coffee shop and you see that there's a bunch of mixos around you, which is like my name for the key people of this movement, suddenly you're not just this binary person. You're not just this person with DNA as well. It's not like you just have blood and you're type O, type B. No, you've got an identity. My whole thing was if I can find a way to make that universal across cultures, then suddenly it didn't matter what government you belong to. It didn't matter if you're North Korean, South Korean. Yeah. You get these people in the same room and you realize that before they even just strike up a conversation, oh shit, like there's a lot of alignment here. Like, that's what it is. It's, I, I feel I, you on that, man. And especially like with recent events, like I think this is like what, and someone in here wrote preach. I just, I think that's something we need. I mean, we all have prejudices. We all have certain stereotypes. We all are somewhere on that spectrum, even if it's just a little bit. But I think what you're saying here and what you're talking about in terms of memes and really understanding this people's culture and, you know, like the book I'm reading right now, Getting More, says even with your, like, the worst enemy, you'll actually find more similarities. And that's the thing you need to focus on if you want to get a deal done. And in this case, if you want to make that friendship, you want to get more unified in some way. So I think what you're, what you're talking about kind of really hits, um, hits the nail right on. Thank you. Awesome, man. So, okay, so that was awesome about Mixotype. I now just kind of want to talk about your daily life, your how you're kind of grinding every day. I know you, you wake up at 4 a.m., you're getting the workout in. Um, you're trying to optimize almost every single thing in your life as well. Um, so kind of just talking about that, um, how, what's your daily routine like? How do you approach your day? One thing, I, get, I like this comment here by Little Like. Uh, oh, lit, yeah. like Lit like Bic. Yeah, it's Bic. Yeah, so society has lost focus as a whole. We are so focused on individuality, we're losing ourselves. You know, that's a that's a beautiful thought. And I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole because the opposite of individuality is groupthink. And more massacres and more controversy has happened throughout history because of groupthink, which is the whole collective idea. When people come together and they 
let go of their own individuality. Then they subscribe to the horrors of things like the Holocaust. That's when they describe mass murder and genocide. So yeah. groupthink is also something that's on the opposite end of individuality. The idea is what exactly is individuality? Is it, in your case, I think what you're saying, little like Vic, is that individuality, you're taking it from the egocentric approach. You're taking it from the sense of like, me at the expense of everyone else. But if you take a look at true individualism, True individualism is building life within the context of your own identity. But in order to do that, you need to have other people aligned with your mission as well. So in that case, there's a very much of a win-win approach. Now, I'm not going to get into that right now. I respect what you're saying. What I just want to let people know is that this whole idea of the individual and the abolishment of the self and the ego, this has been spelled out in Buddhist doctrine for thousands of years, how you got to get rid of the self. The truth is, when you get rid of the self, when you lose sense of your identity, then you don't have any instinct to rely on. So then you mm -hmm. have to describe the group thing. This is how brainwashing occurs. Right. Look at the 1984 commercial by Apple. In 1984, based on the book 1984. Absolutely, yeah. You, did you see that commercial? Yeah, everyone's kind of in line in the gray suit. And yeah. Right. They, and then they, they played during one of the Super Bowls, right? But it was like a Coca-Cola yes. or something, I think. It was, during, it was a Super Bowl commercial in 1984, and this woman, there, there's these people sit up, never thought of that. Thanks, little light, like Bach. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you got to change your stance, man. Like, if you are a woman, I, I don't know who you are. Yeah, but, yeah it's big. He's a dude. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but whatever you think, like, like, yeah, little like thick. All right. It makes sense. But, uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm not here to like kind of like change anyone's thoughts. I just want to let you know that this whole thing is deeper than what mainstream media lets us think. Like, it's not just, oh, yeah, bro, don't be selfish. It's not that. The very root of individuality, the whole idea, that's rooted in the hero's journey. Why did Neo take the red pill? Because it was his calling. When you have your own search for meaning and your own calling, destiny doesn't call group thing it calls upon the individual it's a uh, it's your way of leaving a mark on the world that's true to you and so in that 1984 commercial these people are in these like uh, rows and they're all i guess they're in powder and they're shaved heads are shaved and this one woman comes she comes running by and she throws yeah. this she breaks down the screen and suddenly everyone's freed like and at the theater screen or something yeah it, was that was yeah, it, it was like a movie theater screen or something yes. and everyone's yes. watching yeah and, and the cops come in running in behind her, but it's too late because she's freed the minds of everyone, right? And at the end of this commercial, it says, don't let 1984 be like 1984. And it was just incredible. And that was Apple. They ha they struck a nerve with people about individuality. So uh, let me – sorry. The reason why I brought that up is because, like, uh, Bic, uh, that one question, that one uh, comment on individuality is so important. We are taught throughout our lives, you know, curiosity killed the cat. Hey, don't be so selfish. Live for your brothers. Live for your sisters. And that's fine, you know. But the, the, the thing is, man, it, when you don't take the time to explore yourself, when you sacrifice yourself – to the likes of what your parents want of you and what society wants of you, then you're going to go through that thing. Alan Watts talks about that. You're going to go through kindergarten and, oh, that, that thing is coming, high school, that thing is coming, graduation and college. And then suddenly you're like, even if you are a doctor and pre-med, sorry if I'm changing your paradigm here, whatever. But <laughs> hey, as you should. So that's the goal. <laughs> like, you don't want to like be like, you don't like, you don't want to hate your parents at some point. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to do what your parents were asked of you. You obviously don't care about it. And at some point when you're 40, 50, you're going to realize 
I really want to become an artist. And uh, don't give me that bullshit about the starving artist either, because if you learn marketing, you can pretty much promote anything, yeah, right? In today's so, world, absolutely, yeah. Now, uh, we have a lot of time left, so that's why I'm, I'm kind of going. But yeah, no, I want absolutely. To, keep going, man. Keep yeah, going. This is good. So, there will never um, be dead silence on this, in this conversation. So let me answer your question, though, because yeah. like that, that, that was so it was so important, and I had to answer that. But So what is my life like? Okay, so my rituals and I, I'm very I like to think that I'm I'm more on the extreme end but then looking at your life I don't think I'm very much extreme I think you and I parallel each other a lot mm -hmm. so here's what I do um I wake up at 4 a.m 4 30 a.m almost every every day like today like it is 8 33 p.m right now and you wouldn't believe it but I've been up since then I wake up, I drink my pre-workout. Now, I know, like, there's, like, the whole cortisol thing, whatever, but yeah. it's just my tool, right? I, I like it. And then what I do, honestly, is I meditate for about 40 minutes. So I wake up, I meditate, and I visualize. So this is super important. I actually have, like, my own little mantra. I mean, I've written it down. I see the paper. I actually write out what I want out of my life. Now, a lot of people might think, oh, well, isn't this, like, woo-woo? No, look. Call it what you will, I, I'm a scientist at heart, and I believe in mental programming. And what I know is that what you tell yourself regularly happens to be how you carry out your actions in the world. So I visualize, and then after that, I do about an hour workout, and I've got my own little, uh, I guess, calisthenics gym in the basement. Which, by the way, for those of you who have excuses, I made that gym after the pandemic started. I've been just acquiring stuff off of DickSportingGoods.com or BestBot.com. Awesome. It looks so good, man. I've, I've seen your workout videos and stuff. It looks like you can do everything you want on there. And now you got the you got the sandbag and the dumbbells and the jump rope now. So you're pretty much using everything. There's stuff I have in shirt. I got a bench now. And nice. Like, so yeah, the sandbag I got rid of because it just it was actually pouring sand out. Yeah. But, <laughs> but but I've got I've got my weight set. So listen, like uh, routines set aside. I wake up and visualize for about 40 minutes, and then and that's pretty intense. And then I, um, I, uh, I work out. And, like, by the way, every day like, I hate it. And now I'm getting better at it because I'm visualizing. But, like, you got to push through the suck. And at the end of it, it's the reward. Like, I'm doing these pull-ups and sit-ups and put crunches and, like, handstand push-ups and all this stuff. After that, like, by that time, it's around 7.30 a.m. or so. By the way... I haven't eaten yet. I, I stopped eating around 4.30 p.m. So I wake up at 4.30 a.m. I stop eating at 4.30 p.m. I haven't eaten since like 4.30 p.m. Right now I'm on like a 1,300 to 1,600 calorie diet. So um, after it's it's very, very – think about how easy it is to get your calorie filling. But like I do that. I wash my intake because I want to get like even more lean, and that's fine. Right. Um, but you got to understand like – I put out a video recently talking about this. People think that they don't have time. And they think that if they do their main thing, in your case, medical school, or in my case, mixo, that they're not going to have time. The fact is the rituals that you have in your life, the rituals that you instill in your life, bleed into every other area of your life. So imagine this. I wake up at 4.30 a.m. Most people are tired. I'm awake. I'm jumping out of bed. Well, I I... I progress out of bed yeah okay, I, progress out of bed. I get my 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 pre-workout and i work i do my meditation i work out by the way by the time i'm done it's around 7 30 a.m 8 a.m it's incredible most people are waking up at that point and then at 8 a.m 
I still haven't eaten yet. I'll probably have some like black coffee or something. I'll probably eat my first meal at nine. Which today was honestly just an ice cream bar, 150 calories, right? Yeah. Then like, if I'm working, then I'm working. And I'm fully focused on my work because that's important. But if I'm working on Mixotype, then I'll just work on Mixotype. I, um, I do a lot of that. I go for walks. It's fun, pretty funny, but when you look at my life, like, it's just, there's just a lot of just, I work. And then I, I also, um, this is extreme, right? Like, so I don't watch TV at all. I haven't watched Netflix in years. I, don't, I haven't watched a TV show. The last TV show I saw was, I think, Breaking Bad. I, I finished that years ago. I saw some um, Daredevil a couple of years ago, but, like, yeah. I, I don't watch TV. Yeah. I, um, like, uh, YouTube, I'll have music playing in the background. So, basically, from the time that I wake up to the time that I go to sleep, I'm working. Like, I'm working all day long. Right. And You're so, that, busy. Yeah. That, that's what it is. Yeah, you, you got to put that work in. And so, at 9 p.m., I'm basically, I'm in bed at 9 p.m., now, here's a funny thing. What most people don't know, and I'll, I'll share this story with you. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, uh, I'm also, I trained for full contact fighting as well. So mm -hmm. uh, I had my first full contact fight last year. Leading up into that fight, this eye, this eye that I'm staring at you with, right? Yeah. Uh, this eye got injured pretty badly. So I was training at my Kung Fu school, and my uh, my Kung Fu brother, his eye, I think it was straight into my eye. And... If you know any that corneal abrasion, it's insane. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. So for the longest time, right, I'm telling you, it was so bad. But uh, that night, it was just blinding. I don't know how I drove home. And what's bad about eye injuries, yeah, this eye messed up. Well, this eye also weakened. So I'm, like, driving like this. And by the way, you don't see it, but this is a good testament to my growth and recovery. I've got this big old light over here. So it's a ring light. Shining on me. That's bright. That's why you see, like, my face is lit up, yeah. right? But, like, I have an eye injury. And so, like, like how the hell am I so focused? Because, like, the thing is, like, I want you to understand, I was waking up, but I was waking up anyway because, like, I wake up and it's my eyes exploding to a symphony of light. So there's a lot of pain with that journey as well. And I, eventually, I figured out what I needed to do. during When I'm at sleep at night, I put these eye drops in my eye. I also got this eye ointment that I put in. So I put the eye drops in and I put the eye ointment in. And it turns out what happens when you have corneal abrasion, your eyelid sticks to your eye. So when you wake up, it's like a band-aid being ripped off of a wound over and over again. So your eye never fully heals. That's what was happening. So I put this in, I'm great. So I'm just letting you know, there's like a lot that goes into it. So, but I don't want anyone to think that they have to get an eye injury in order to wake up at 4.30 a.m. I was doing that anyway, and I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. But, you wake up at four thirty. I guarantee you, you're going to be more alive, more awake than otherwise. So those are those are some of my rituals. There's something magical about waking up early. I mean, I don't do it. I don't wake up four thirty or five, um, just because like I know how I am with sleep, and I just kind of need it. Um, so I'm usually more of a night owl. But there is something magical about knowing that you're up while everyone's sleeping and that you're grinding, and it's just like a feel, especially meditating that early and and. Experts even say, like, meditate during that time because that's when the, there's most, most oxygen around you at that time where leaves or the trees around you are actually, like, giving it off um, because once the daylight comes, they're going to take in that carbon dioxide and stuff. Um, but I think, again, you nailed it. And, like, for me as well, I barely watch any TV. And I actually just came out with a video about, like, how to become more productive because so many people have asked me, Darsh, I don't know how you do this, 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 this. And for both of us, it's not about doing it all at once, right? Like, you, have, you're not, you haven't done this for the last week. You've worked on this you've honed your craft and it's the same with me it's incremental steps 
Yeah, man. Oh, it's it's sorry. It's incremental for sure. Like this did not happen overnight. But if I were to tell people this one thing that they can do, right? I mean, there's so many things, but right. you're waking up early is so important. Getting rid of your distractions is very important. But like we're talking in circles because these are these are external, right? The the biggest thing that you need to figure out is your identity. You got to understand what it is, what what your mission is. You got to understand that your gut has a brain too. Your heart literally has glial cells inside of it. Your heart communicates with the brains of the vagus nerve. And so they found that there are brain cells in your heart. So what exactly literally is your heart saying? If you find a big enough mission, that alone can drive you to like great ends. Like there's a reason why I wake up at 4.30 a.m. because I got to get this mixo thing done. I, I want to be the fittest man on the planet. I want to be shredded. I want to be ripped. I want to, but it's not a superficial thing because if I am leading a movement based on unlocking human potential, if I'm leading a movement based on self-discovery, then you better bet that I'm going to put myself on the line 100%. Yeah. I'm not going to drink soda. I'm not going to drink sugary drinks. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to fast 16, 18 hours a day. I'm going to hit the gym every day. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to start my own company. I, these are the things that I have to do. And so they're mission-oriented. So when people look at the, the, the externals of your life, well, how does Darsh get to read books? And how does he get to have a podcast? And how does how is he in medical school? And yeah. how does he engage his fiance? And <laughs> it's like, no, like, mother, like, sorry. Like, yeah, like, very you, you, you got to, like, really just stop comparing yourself. If you're following Darsh, he's in medical school, I want to just put a testament out there. Just I want you to understand something. I'm not a fucking doctor. And the first person Darsh invited to be on the show was someone who's not a doctor. And Doc, and Darsh, by the way, has his whole channels around medicine. So this is like counterintuitive stuff here. What he's trying to show you basically is paradoxically is you don't need to follow in his footsteps or my footsteps. David Goggins says, like, no, don't do what Goggins does. Be your own hero. Yeah. Live your own journey. But why do we why do we want to become a doctor? Why do we want to become lawyers? Because there's something metaphorical, there's a metaphor, there's a beautiful metaphor behind there that if I do this thing, then I will be culturally accepted by society and there's nothing more benevolent than becoming a doctor. And it's great. But man your heart when it's in an out of alignment with your head there's there's catastrophe there's chaos i'm telling you this if you want motivation if you don't follow your passion if you don't follow your identity you're not going to get you're not going to find the right girl or the right guy you're going to constantly get divorced you're going to have be unhappy with your life your career you're going to be fat you're going to be super fat because you're not going to have a reason to get off the couch like victor frankl talks about in his search in his book man's search for meaning out of the people who died in that concentration camps and those who survived the ones who did survive they i mean there's luck in everything as well but a lot of these people they had this bigger sense of self and identity and they had a sense of purpose so yeah. you strip a man of his purpose then he's no longer human so there yeah, yeah so, that's what that's what kind of led me on my personal development thing too is you know i've talked about after my messy breakup and stuff um i just focused more on myself and i realized Hey, I'm not out here. I, why am I chasing things when I need to chase the internal? And once you can chase that internal and you achieve that internally, you're constantly working on that. Everything else just kind of comes to you and you no longer need to chase things, right? It's just like we talked about in the podcast, like you walk around and there's signs and 
um, omens, good omens and stuff. And you kind of, life just comes together. It finds a way as long as you kind of focus on yourself and chase your passion and your dreams. So, yeah, 100% agree with that. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I've, I've, so I've come to this realization. This morning I had this realization in my mind. It was beautiful. It was like a voice came out of nowhere. And one thing, I'm scientific, so I'm not saying I hear voices, but there's this moment of knowing that, that happens when you have these peak states. And I was thinking about happiness, and I was thinking about, well, what about people who don't seem to really like me or don't respond to me or whatever. And the voice inside my head that said, raise your vibration, man. That's it. Yeah, raise All your frequency. Yeah, exactly. Just be happy. Be a cool person. Be loving. Be friendly. And just be mission-oriented. You're right. You do that stuff. You do your thing, whatever it is. I don't care if you're in your mom's closet making beats. Like, it doesn't matter. If you're happy doing what you do and you love it and you're passionate about it, then you're right. You don't really have to strive as much externally because the things that you want will resonate with you anyway. Now, how does that work? Is it law of attraction? Is it synchronicity? Don't even read that much into it. Right. Don't affect it. Just enjoy the experience. But as far as happiness, happiness is is a pre, it's a precedent it's a precursor it's not like once i get this fitbit i'm going to be happy because then you're yeah. driving something anxiety oh why doesn't this girl respond to my text messages oh why why can't i have that car no look just sit down meditate every day focus on yourself raise your own vibration be happy and love yourself love your life and do the things that bring you joy, then everything else will kind of unfold along the way. It will. It has to. And then that's where it comes down to this whole idea of power versus force, which is a book by Dr. David Hawkins. He's a medical doctor. I don't believe in the test that he puts out in the book. It's, I think it's a bullshit test. But okay. his philosophy, I think, is beautiful. And it's like you don't have to force certain things. Just, just be happy. And, like, if you're happy, then – Look at like there's people in this in this uh, gram here, eight people, nine people, whatever, and they're 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 here. They've been here the entire time. You don't have to force the issue, man. Just focus on yourself, love yourself, love your journey, embrace the suck, but don't yeah. don't don't suffer. Yes, pain exists. I can like scratch my arm and that's painful, but I don't have to suffer. So yeah, you have these goals. Med school is hard. There's a lot of pain involved, but you don't have to suffer. Pain right. from suffering, man. Don't suffer. Enjoy Goggins. it. Yeah, Goggins mentality. Man. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I just have a couple questions here before we get to some questions and open it up. Um, what What is the biggest lesson that you've learned throughout your journey so far? Through all the ups and downs, what's the biggest thing that you've kind of taken away? The biggest thing that I took away was that it's just identity. Like, it, once again, I have to be that person who says that. Listen, I want to give you guys a metaphor here, okay? And this is a part of my transcendence philosophy. This is another thought exercise. And those who stay who are locked in, I want you to fucking just, whatever else you're doing, this is probably one of the most important insights you're ever going to grasp. Like, it took me years to figure this out. So I, I, I do want to share this with you. Very important. And I think, uh, Vic, I'm not sure if you're still here. I'm not going to go through this feed. But if you're here, you might like this. But I, I want to take you guys through a, another thought experiment because I love thought experiments. Thought experiments are, are how Einstein came up with relativity just by thinking about things, right, and looking at them from every angle. So I want to ask you, Darcy, I'm going to run you through, through this thought experiment here, right? So 
I want to ask you, okay, how do you make sure that your genes don't get wiped out of, of civilization? You got to procreate, right? I mean, you got to have babies, keep it going. Selfish genes. Kind of. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So here's the thing. Would you agree or disagree that procreation is a very big motivation for everyone? Yeah. Right. Well, Universally. There are outliers. but I, I could, Yeah, I guess. I think it's our, like, yeah, subconscious motivation, I would say. Like, yeah, you're, you're thinking about, you know, being attractive and, you know, procreating and creating a legacy almost, I think we can relate it to in that sense, too, by having kids and whatnot. Right. Think about that, right? Like, we are wired to want to have children, right? And sure. Of course, there are there's, if you're homosexual and you're not, like, you're not, that, that's fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about majority speaking. Sure. We are wired to procreate. And I'm telling you, the, 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 the desire for procreation is strong. Now, if you take a look at it from the Red Queen, the book, The Red Queen, where they talk about sex and self-preservation, this is big. Why do we want to become a doctor? Well, at some level, there is this whole idea that, all right, by becoming a doctor, I could probably select the best mate. And so a lot of what we do are mating rituals. And I want you guys to understand that we pursue certain careers because it increases the likelihood of us finding a the right mate for us and of course if you have more money more power more influence then the likelihood of you dating like a supermodel or a celebrity actor that increases because now you've leveled up meek mill talks about in the song just levels to this game right yeah. but what i want to ask you though is all right that may be true but genghis khan we're a lot of us are related to genghis khan right one in 13 but, yeah, people <laughs> what was that one in 13 people are... Uh, One in 13 people, Khan. right? But here's the thing. Is there another Genghis Khan today? No, right? There... So my question is, procreation and self-preservation are very big drives, right? Very big drives. Sure. That's why people would want to have polygamous relationships. They want to play the field, pick up artists, mentality, whatever. But people want to have what they have. That, that drive for self-preservation is huge. It's wired within us. But then let me ask you something. What about people who have philanthropic desires or people who want to change the world? There's something different about them. You take a look at people like Michael Jordan, for instance. Take a look at Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, Elon Musk. It wasn't just about procreation because Elon was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And he got bored of that money. So I want to ask you, if self-preservation is such a big drive for us, that's part of groupthink, by the way. It's kind of joining the herd, joining the masses. What is it about us that makes us want to go down paths that are so dangerous, so controversial? Elon Musk is putting an economy in outer space. There's no before Elon Musk, there was no business sector in outer space. Yeah. What is it about certain people that makes them want to go towards this other other spectrum, this other drive? Because it's not self-preservation. It's not like, oh, let me just get a bunch of kids anymore. There's something deeper. So what is that other drive? What is that? And I'm not asking rhetorically. What is it that makes someone want to do something as like Jordan did or Elon Musk? What is that? It's just uh, it's something, desire, passion. It's something within that um, that just makes you, I don't know, impact that you want to bring, a legacy that you want to create. Um, why? Why do why? we want to leave a legacy? Why do we want to leave a legacy? I just think it's, I mean, I guess it's innate in us to... Like you said, like don't, the don't bullshit me. That see that that's a bullshit answer. Innate is a bullshit answer, and I'm just ripping on you. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. 
This took me 13 years to figure out, but it's a very, very important question. Like, why do you want to create a legacy? As a scientist now, why are we motivated to leave a legacy? Think about that. I give you a... Yeah, I look at the perspective of we have kids and then our kids inherit almost that kind of, not necessarily genes for that desire to create that legacy, but I mean, with that legacy comes probably fame or authority or something, which allows you to be that Genghis Khan and kind of rule and have that power and then allow you to procreate. And that's just looking at a biological frame, I guess. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a deep question. It's a deep question. And so, uh, Shiloh... so popular, Shali says, people want to feel good about what their impact. So popularity only goes so far. If you take a look at Daniel Pink's book, Drive, it talks about human behaviors, right? And uh, Shiloh, I'm going to get to you in a second. But um, the person above her, oh, Dick. Oh, Dick, sorry. It's kind of chopped off a bit. Um, so when you talk about being popular, popularity only goes so far, man. Like, it's superficial. Here today, gone, gone tomorrow, whatever. I'm not going to get too deep into that. But Michael Jordan didn't become Michael Jordan just so he can become popular. You can become popular being, like, on the bench of the NBA. Uh, Shiloh, so, yes, people want to feel good about their impact, but – that's not that doesn't wake me up in the morning that doesn't make me want to wake up at 4 30 in the morning like i can give a donation to make a wish right wanting uh, self-fulfillment over wanting popularity so self-fulfillment self-fulfillment is something but like these are words these are metaphors impact and self-fulfillment and innate like there has to be a real reason why right. like this. a deeper scientific like that's why um right. legacy by the way, we have four minutes on here. Um, okay, so let me but... just kind of give this to you. Let me give this to you, then yeah. you can answer questions here. So I, I, this will be 13, my entire life to figure out, but I want you to understand this. And if you understand what I'm about to say, your life might change overnight, just instantly. I want you to think about this. Darsh, if you, do, if you have 10 kids, forget 13 million or whatever, you have 10 kids, one kid, that one kid will never be another Darsh. Yeah. They'll never be in the mirror. It, it just won't be. You have no influence or control over who your kid is going to be. Mm -hmm. Genetically, yeah, you'll self-preserve, but there will never be another Darsh Shah. Mm -hmm. Now, for some people, that might be okay. For me, it drives me up a fucking wall that there will never be another Namir Qureshi, ever. There will never be another Michael Jordan, never be another Steve Jobs. So what can I do? And I want to give you this one metaphor. If you take a look at the Mona Lisa, if you really look at it, and I, this is a metaphor because I don't want you to put me on this, but there are parts of the Mona Lisa that share Da Vinci's skeletal facial structure. Yeah. The whole thing is that if you truly realize that there will never be another you in all of existence, that all the kids that you have, the Porsches that you drive will never, ever create another you, you have to do one thing, which is you've got to create a masterpiece that embodies the very essence of your identity. If you can self-explore, that's the other drive. I call it the transcendence drive. If you can spend your life figuring out who Darsh is and put that into his own Mona Lisa, suddenly when you die, you've reached immortality. You've left the very essence of your soul in human nature. You're gone. But Steve Jobs became the Apple. That dude was a motherfucking brilliant guy because yeah. he figured out how to become immortal. Christ, he immortalized himself on the cross. So you need to immortalize yourself into a symbol that transcends you so that after you die, 
there is something of your soul that still lives on. But the only way to do that is to go your own way and to become that true individual. Gotcha. And then that creation ends up intermingling with society and people can improve upon it. So gotcha. that, that was it. Okay, so we have a little bit over a minute here. So I just want a quick plug for Numair, guys. If you want to follow him, check out Numair.co. That's at N-U-M-A-I-R dot C-O. Um, again, check out Mixotype, uh, Numair.co. Follow his journey. Um, you'll see all that. Numair, I know you're on a strict schedule, but if you I want. I can stay, but it's fine. We can keep going if you want. Okay, what so I... this is going to end in about a minute. What, we, what I can do is save this real quick, and then we can go on live again. And then yeah. if guys, followers, hop on our next live and ask whatever questions you've got. We'll stay on for, uh, you know, however long, for a couple, five, ten minutes, whatever, how long however long it takes, and answer some questions. So you've got some uh, so, self-confidence yeah. this way. So cool. So. Let me go ahead and save this, and then we'll definitely um, get on live and answer some questions. Yeah, I yeah. People, I think people that. are really getting into this, so it'll be sweet. All right, cool. I'm, I'm going to – yeah, I'll be here. Okay, awesome. Sure. And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Optimize Your Life. If you have found this podcast to be helpful and adding value to your day-to-day, then please consider giving it a five-star review. Until next time, stay optimizing.